stuff. Episode 20 of the Good Stuff Kids Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you have reached your source for all things certified and bona fide as good stuff. And I talked to the creators of that good stuff. Today, I feel very, very lucky and very, very fortunate to share a conversation I had with Chris, a.k.a. Casper Baby Pants. And Casper Baby Pants is someone who's very, very influential in my home. I think his music is great, and I love that my kids listen to it, and I love that my kids like it. You may know Chris from his previous band, President of the United States of America. I think that what he's doing in terms of kids' music is even better than that. I'm really thankful to Johnny Bragar who put me into contact with Chris, and it was really, truly my pleasure to talk to both Johnny and Chris about their time as musicians and making kids' music in particular. I hope you find my talk with Chris interesting. We go deep on a few of his songs that I really, really like, and I think that he's generally just a great guy, and we should support all of this good music that he's doing. He has a brand new album coming out later this week on August the 12th. Hopefully you'll pick it up and support him. Thanks again, Chris, for talking with me. And thanks to you all for being supporters of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. As always, you can find everything and anything that you could ever need to know about the Good Stuff Kids podcast by going to goodstuffpod.com. Thank you for being a supporter of this show. We'll talk to you at the end. Four, four, four plus one. That's right. The top four songs from my Toyota Sienna plus one that I try to get my kids to listen to. Coming in at number four this week is Apple Apple by the Harmonica Pocket. Everyone in my family was singing this song the other morning on the way to the park. Number three is a return to the countdown, the Skyler sisters, because of course, Eliza. Number two is a classic. Well, a classic for me and for my family, it's Steal My Sunshine by Len. This is probably not the greatest song in the world, but we love it. I know it's for me. Number one is our favorite Casper Baby Pants song. It's called Let the S Go. I've seen a small spider spin silk in the snow. Yo, ho, let the S go. I've eaten a mall piter pin ilk in the nose. Rin, tin, tin, put a T in. I've teen a tall tighter tin tilk. Blitz and Trapper has been on this countdown before, but I was really, really fortunate and lucky to see them in Petaluma just a couple of nights ago, and they really, really, really put on a tremendous performance. Hope you enjoy. Number 
you like anything that you heard this week, you can find all of this music on Apple Music, Amazon, or Spotify. Support these artists. Good stuff. It is my uh, honor and privilege and pleasure to welcome Chris, aka Casper Baby Pants. To Wait, I'm the- sorry. Let's start. Let's start over because. I was moving the computer around a lot, and I'm afraid it's going to show up as a bunch of noise. I wanted to get it in more comfortable. <laughs> I need a pillow for my feet because yep. I'm on vacation. Yep. Get yourself a little, <laughs> some iced tea, whatever you need to feel good. Hey, I got my little LaCroix. I got my little... <laughs> I mean, need, maybe this one could be like the first outtakes episode. Pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got my one headphone on. <laughs> looking good. Looking cool. Looking pro. Love it. Um, all right. So I'd love to welcome to the Good Stuff Kids podcast, uh, in my opinion, one of the great uh, musicians and kids musicians, I think covering both both worlds or lots of different worlds, Chris, a.k.a. Casper Baby Pants. Chris, how are you today? Fantastical. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me. It is, uh, it's my honor, and I, I appreciate you taking time. You're on vacation. And uh, as we talked about a little bit, vacation... For uh, for artistic folks like you, isn't always vacation like it would be for for folks who are sitting on the beach and reading. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I mostly take a va- well. You're you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. But uh, vacation for me mostly means a vacation from whatever it is I don't want to be doing, <laughs> and that changes. You know, uh-huh. right now I want to be making a new video and songwriting and uh, getting oriented to this funky new house that i just bought on this island uh-huh. and what i don't want to be doing is playing live shows and doing accounting so right. i'm not doing those things well that's good that's good so yeah. we're, we're on casper's private island right now and it's that's uh, right it's pretty amazing i saw outside it's beautiful <laughs> i only share it with uh fifty thousand other people <laughs> yeah 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 um so uh, let's talk about song let's just jump in and talk about songwriting i i um well, full disclosure, I went and visited a friend in Washington, D.C. who had a baby. And even when the baby was sleeping and, and, and you know, didn't really need, like, the uh, the musical sort of background noise, we found ourselves listening to your records a ton. Okay. And and I think that one thing that you – the uh, something that you do that transcends is that you, the songs that you write are, are very easy and accessible for kids – but also um, enjoyable for parents. So is that is that a on-purpose kind of thing, or is it just all come from one place? Um, both, actually. It's definitely on purpose. Um, ultimately, I'm writing songs that I like, that uh, make me happy. Like, when I listen back to stuff I'm working on for a new Casper album or any of my albums, I love the atmosphere I've created for myself. It feels good. But specifically, I do think about the kids and the parents in that when I'm writing these songs and producing them and recording them and mixing them and choosing them for the album and every single step of the way, I'm imagining specifically a um, car in the summer uh, leaving Yosemite National Park or somewhere like that in a five-hour traffic jam in the hot August sun and the family is tired and hungry and mad at each other and they all have to pee (laughs) and uh you should be able to put in the song or the album i'm working on and have it lighten the environment have it help despite all those inconveniences and discomforts you should be able to transcend and and uh leave your current situation a little (laughs) bit and laugh and enjoy so i put the songs under really heavy pressure to perform that way in that intense environment 
And that's why I think one of the reasons they work for kids and parents, because I have to keep them both in, in mind. I have to make something that's universally appealing. Mm -hmm. The other way I do it is I use a lot of old songs, like old uh, blues, old work songs, um, prison songs, traditional nursery rhymes, folk music. You know, I'm talking like 1850s to 1920s. And um, a lot of, you know, that stuff's all public domain, so you can take it and shape, reshape it. And so somewhere in those songs, and it's crept into my original writing, is something that feels kind of timeless. Mm -hmm. You know, that those kind of songs have have persevered because they're fundamentally strong and they speak to something in us, you know, so something about it that makes it pass from person to person and generation to generation. So I sprinkle my originals and those covers with that stuff. And that is another way that I can appeal to like just humans, despite mm -hmm. their age or where they're from or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, those are both super conscious and really exciting parts of the Casper baby pants thing. That's different from a rock band. Cause I get to really, uh, dive into making super, um, intense cutthroat creative decisions. Like I might get to the end of recording a song and realize that that electric guitar is not going to help that family leaving Yosemite national park. <laughs> so it's out. I cut it. Mm -hmm. And rather than, uh, you know, hurt bruising someone's ego, uh, by doing that, I just get to do it, you know, without any second guessing. So, um, so anyway, I guess the point is like all my creative decisions, creative decisions are both there to please me and to function and work in the world in a way that's really specific. Like I really want to make a tool that parents can use to help, not just evidence of my cleverness. <laughs> well, you are clever. Don't undersell your cleverness. You're no, very no, no, no. I'm not. You know, I like I like being clever, but I also like being kind of just basically tender and sweet and loving. You know, I like uh, my, some of my favorite songs I write for Casper Baby Pants are just the love songs about the parent-child love mm -hmm. flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of love. The love. Yeah, there's a lot of love. I'm I'm writing more and more of those now. Mm -hmm. Actually, it yeah. might end up that I make a whole record of those. But yeah, um, yeah. Well, so you know, there's. I like to keep the balance, you know, there's kookiness and sincerity. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have, if you have too much of one or not enough of the other or whatever, uh, this, the music I think can get tiresome. Yeah. So I think an example of that is, um, take it easy from your last record night. Oh night, yeah. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I'll give you the, the example that you were talking about. I, I am often on the one Oh one freeway in the Bay area stuck in traffic. And, um, that came on and I had my two year old daughter and four year old daughter in the car and a, um, the song is beautiful. B the sentiment behind it is beautiful and C like my, my girls were singing it. And it was awesome. And it was just, it was really like a touching, touching kind of thing. Is that, um, is that an original, entirely original? Yeah. Every song on the lullaby record, strangely, I mean, there's lots of classic lullabies, but the reason I made that record, well, every song is original. Uh -huh. And the reason I made it even, uh, I don't usually make themed records, but I've found as I recorded over the course of 10 records, 
I had created way more lullaby-type mellow songs than I needed. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, I was looking at this batch of songs that just weren't finding a home. And, and I listened to them and thought, wow, that's a great batch of stuff. So I'll just put out a lullaby record. Mm -hmm. So Night Night is original, but it's very much... Um, there was a documentary I watched with my dad about um, the musicians and music behind the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Mm -hmm. So some of it was shot in the Grand Old Opry and there was this old man that came out on the stage and sang all by himself a cappella. this like just plaintive it's almost where like country music and Irish pub song or Irish um, what do they call I don't know the technical name for the Irish singing you know like in an Irish pub somebody will stand up and be just like <laughs> they'll start telling a story and it goes on for 20 minutes and mm -hmm. this was sort of like the Amer where that tradition landed in america this guy's all alone singing this acapella song and my dad and i were just like Phew, you know that was heavy and deep and cool and beautiful and old and weird and so that take it easy was spraying from how I felt about that. That's why it starts with just the vocal. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. But I thought, oh, I'll just do it with one vocal, but I can't do that. <laughs> right, right. Well, it builds, right? It builds. In, yeah, in all I always, the... always want to go, I like having, uh, being as minimal as possible, but that one I just couldn't resist adding because, yeah. you know, as I say each thing, going to play my drum, going to play my guitar, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. Oh, I just yeah. like, oh, this is too perfect. I have to add these instruments. Right. Right. So, yeah, yeah but, and in the vein of Timeless, I, w I think that and um, Let the S Go, which I think is actually on your first album. Yeah, very um, first album. I wish that I had known that song, you know, I had Camp Counselor days, you know, years <laughs> ago. And if I had known, like, that one could have been the hit of the summer and feels totally timeless. And uh, I, I think you you really, uh, I mean, that one's great. Like, And I appreciate it, and I want to direct people to your website because something that you do that's amazing is you outline where all these songs come from. And yeah. That's, I appreciate that. So. Oh, thank you. That's kind of a lot of work, so it's nice to hear that people <laughs> actually read it. Um, I got that idea from Elizabeth Mitchell, who's another really influential kids, music, kids artist uh, that I've, found when I first started to swim in these waters, I stumbled into her, thankfully. Thank goodness, rather, because um, she kind of demonstrated how you don't have to be wacky to be effective, really. Mm -hmm. And so I come from such a, a, a you know, history of wackiness. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, it was nice to kind of see evidence of somebody like um, turning that knob down and being sincere and, and tender. And anyway, I got really into her stuff. And... Um, she did that on her record. She wrote a little paragraph about each song, and I found that just fascinating because it, it clued me in on where the songs were from. And so anyway, she was the inspiration to do that. And yeah, I, I love doing that because I think it's fun to read, and sometimes it's educational. Like I quote classical music a lot in my stuff, you know, with melodies, and or there's interesting origin stories. Like the nursery rhymes all have really cool, bizarre origin stories. They were all basically political cartoons uh -huh. uh, back in the you know. 1800s if something scandalous happened with the monarchy or um you know like mary queen of or, um elizabeth the first if i'm not mistaken was the farmer's wife because she was not royalty and she married into royalty and she was pretty intense three blind mice is her hickory dickory dock uh, mary mary quite contrary all these nursery rhymes came out of her because that was the way that the commoners could sort of mock and ridicule the royal family without being overt about it yeah. so there are all these like coded uh, jabs yeah. at the royals yeah. in those and and political situations in general so right. 
Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. So, and then on the flip side, um, there's a song like Googly Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the, the first time I heard that, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? This is like the <laughs> smartest, most genius, like simplest, most awesome thing. And then on top of it, there's like the, this killer groove, right? And like, it's, it totally rocks. So well, it's, it's amazing to have both of those sides. How did, uh, I mean, I don't mean to like dig into like the writing process so much, but no, where did that one great. come from? Uh, uh, that one, you know, I'm struggling, I'm trying to remember. It sort of fell out of the sky. Um, that the chord progression is kind of weird. It mutates each time, and and it, it's it's a little counterintuitive. And I think I came up with the melody and the idea, and then had to put it to music. Uh-huh. Um, I think I came up with the melody and idea on a walk, and also actually, originally, it's my wife Kate. She, I'm pointing toward the kitchen because she's in there making <laughs> there she tea. She is. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, she used to take googly eyes and put them on stuff in the kitchen just to make me laugh. You know, just, just without saying anything, all of a sudden I'd walk in and this banana would be alive because it had eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, ha ha, it's alive. <laughs> and um, so I don't know, I like to add a little gravitas to characters sometimes. So I thought, well, what if these googly eyes were sad and depressed yeah. and I was to cheer them up and tell them about all their superpowers to all make right. things alive. Right. So it just kind of sprang out of that. Kate, you know, is I can't... Uh, I can't speak enough to her influence with Casper Baby Pants. Her artwork is why I make the music in the first place. You know, it inspired me because it. Her artwork is it lives in a realm that's exactly where I wanted to be with music, without knowing that I wanted to make kids' music. Even her artwork is this like really like well crafted, innocent, bright um, animals. Uh, you know, just a happy little atmosphere. So I started writing music to go with her art, and it turned out it was kids' music, and that set me off on my path. And then after being on the path, she's kind of my Ringo. Uh-huh. So Ringo's the one that said, oh, it's going to be a hard day's night, and or uh, <laughs> tomorrow never knows, and uh-huh. stuff like that. So uh, she'll walk in from gardening outside and be like, I'm too dirty to love. And I'm like, that's a song. Or she'll hear me tuning up ukuleles in the other room and sing, My Flea Has Dogs, by accident. <laughs> right. And oh, I'll be wow. like, light bulb. A light bulb, totally, yeah. So, yeah, she, and then sometimes we're just on a walk out in the woods or something, and she'll just be, she'll turn to me and say, uh, all right, let's write, let's write a song right now, and we'll just kind of look around at where we are and come up. That's where the song, Where Did You Go, came from. We were walking in Ohio, and she's like, let's write a song about it right now. Yeah. So anyway, she's a... Um, She's, she's definitely my Ringo. The muse, in a way. And she yeah. does, she has the, your album artwork, right? That's. Uh, yeah, and that's, yeah. I mean, the continuing connection between her art and the music is yeah. that she saw the album art. And uh, yeah. she's, she's being silly in the background there, <laughs> trying to make me laugh. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> totally fine. Tea water. Do you hear the tea water? I don't hear the tea water. Okay, good. It's not that, that loud. Okay. That's great. Um, that's that's amazing. I was gonna add, that that was gonna. So you you just touched on two things I wanted to talk to you about. One was the album art and, and the fact that you work with your with your wife on that. The other is that you have two Beatles albums, and it's it's yeah. obvious that um, they are a huge influence on you. And yeah. tell me tell me what it's like to to put together not one but two albums of ca- I will call it Casperfied uh, yeah. Beatles music. Well, um, I wanted to pay, pay my respects to the Beatles, really. The idea of making a Beatles album came up when I first started making this music in 2008, 2009. But 
it sort of fell by the wayside because I was having so much other inspiration. I was, you know, my my uh, own so- song volcano was erupting so frequently that I didn't have time. And then uh, it came back around to doing it, and it was really fun to do it. I read every book I could get my hands on about the Beatles, not just like the songwriting part, but what was their experience like? And I wanted to understand where they were when they wrote each song that I intended to cover. I wanted to kind of get myself in this where they were and kind of go back to the source and then rebuild the songs in my own way. Not always changing them, but for the most part, I would, you know, take the skeleton of the song and put new meat on it, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted to declutter the songs, get rid of a lot of the noisy elements, um, and make them make the imagery of the song really accessible. That's why Yellow Submarine, I, I took it down like in the third verse of Yellow Submarine, they go to call and response. Well, mm-hmm. I was like, well, why don't we just make the whole song call and response mm-hmm. and have no music? So you really see, not that you don't see it with the Beatles version, but this was another way to see the story. Um, and the whole reason I embarked on it is exactly that, because Sergeant Pepper's was, I got it when it came out, when, it was, when I was two and a half in 1967, and it just like became... The part of the fabric of my consciousness, you know, the the traveling that happens when you listen to that album, you know, you're in all these different situations and you see these different scenarios and you just, you take a trip, yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> Not psychotropically, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you could if you wanted to, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad <laughs> idea, but uh, anyway, uh, the gift of the Beatles was to show me that songwriting can make you travel and mm. All my best writing from there on was basically having a vision, and then the song is just describing the vision. Right. So, uh, as a you know gesture of respect, I thought, oh, I'll make a cover album, and did that, and had a great success with it. Super fun. Um, I get a lot of parents coming to me saying that they play the real Beatles for their kids, and their kids are like, "This isn't the Beatles. <laughs> That's the Beatles," meaning me. But <laughs> so supplanted the Beatles in some people's yeah. uh, experience as yeah. young children, which is funny. Um, I did send copies to Paul McCartney to see if he was into it or not. I I got close enough. I got well. I have a couple inroads to him, and I tried both, and I got one degree away. But uh, really, that stopped one degree away twice. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like to think I'll just pretend, I'll pretend that he loves him. He oh he does. How could you not? He does totally. Them, but you know that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, well, that's it, and uh, I'll move on. And then I was left with about six or seven songs that didn't make the cut on the first record. And I made a little vinyl seven inch, and that was okay. But I, I I pushed it too much, and there was too much music on it, and it didn't sound very good. But I don't know. A year, a couple of years later, I just all of a sudden I started thinking about the song "Strawberry Fields Forever" and just couldn't get it out of my head, and started singing it and walk around and dreaming about it. And I started learning the chords, and downloaded the lyrics, and started transposing it to a new key. And I rec- uh, all of a sudden I'm turning on my computer and I'm miking myself and I'm recording it. And about <laughs> Three hours later, I sort of came up for air and realized, whoa, I just recorded Sergeant, uh, Strawberry Fields Forever. Why did I do that? Yeah. And I just went, oh, I must be making a second volume of, rec- of Beatles covers. So here we go. So here it is. So I just embarked. Right. And once I did, I found, oh, yeah, there's all, there's 20 other songs that I didn't touch that would be really fun. And there, the second one's a little more psychedelic, like Fool on the Hill and Strawberry Fields and, um, you know, uh, Oh, what else? Um, is that Lucy in the Sky? 
No, that's on the first yeah, record. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, benefit from Mr. Kite and Lucy in the Sky. There are some psychedelic stuff yeah. on the first. Uh, but this one is a little more kind of for the even more for the parents, like a little more subtle. Right, and, right. Yeah. It, what's the um, my favorite Beatles song? Uh, and the, the Beatles uh, have a have a place in my heart, but not like the biggest place in my heart. That's kind of re- reserved for like Smashing Pumpkins. John Cougar Mellencamp. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, but um, is it Tomorrow Never Knows? The one with like the like the 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 beginning, I think it's on Revolver, like the first like yeah, yeah. big beat, like sort of break beat kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I recorded two versions of that song. Really? But it did. They didn't make the cut. Interesting. I'd love to hear that. Awesome. You know, I, I have enough left over. I have uh, Sun King, um, Tomorrow Never Knows, uh, a couple others that didn't make it. And now I'm thinking I'll do another little seven inch, and I won't try to put twenty minutes of music on a seven inch. <laughs> horrible yeah uh so i might i might I, I keep looking at those songs in the folders and thinking uh oh you know i should just put them out on itunes as a one-off or something yeah. I don't know. if you had to choose and just on one foot off the top of your head uh a artist or band that you would do a cover albums of that was not the beatles who would you choose whoa whoa <laughs> whoa <laughs> Gosh, a one. I mean, I could see doing an album of covers of a variety of people. I can't. I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody that had the the influence, depth of the Beatles. Anybody that painted so many pictures. I was just watching a documentary about Tom Petty, though. My goodness, oh. the depth of the hits he wrote. Yeah. You know, and he's a good dude. He had the presidents open up for him for two shows in a row in 96 in San Francisco and he was very cool to us and he hung out with us and introduced us to his crowd and just all around awesome dude oh my gosh so I guess Tom Petty oh don't I don't know if it would make a good kids record you know there's so much consideration that goes into covering for kids it's gotta have that like like Elizabeth Mitchell also was instructive in that she had a couple Velvet Underground songs on there and she kind of took some stuff that was a little risky, but kind of uncovered the innocence in it. And so you got to think about an artist that has that, you know, where if you shave off all the kind of grown-up swagger, you're still right. There's still got four. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Tom Petty would do that. Oh, I man. did. Oh my gosh, I did do a cover, a parody of a Tom Petty song early in the Casper thing, thinking I would do some Weird Al type uh-huh. parody songs. Yeah, I did two parody songs. I did. Free crawling instead of free falling. <laughs> yeah, it's all recorded and done and everything. And then I did um, ju- uh, "Juicy Juice" instead of "Gin and Juice" by Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Beautiful. Got my mind out, my mommy and my mommy on my mind. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so you have you're you're prolific, right? It seems like um, you're you're at about an album a year, right? And uh, or, or around that. Every- I was doing them every nine months. For every a while. nine months. Okay, cool. And now I'm slowing down to one a year, with the exception of the first year of my slowdown, which is that I have two. <laughs> two so in the first year of the slowdown, two albums are, are coming out. Tell me a little bit about your about your new records. All right, let's see. Uh, I know we're not going to do visuals, but this is what it looked like. 
screenshot. Mm-hmm. You can get art out. Anyway, um, Away We Go comes out in August, and it's like a classic uh, Casper back to form, you know, like high energy to sleepy, uh, tons of visual character-driven songs. I really went with a lot of characters in this one. Um, a couple like I Love You So Much Because You're an Awesome Baby songs, and then um, a really great uh, closer, If You're Sleepy. Um, it's not, it's based on if you're happy and you know it, mm-hmm. it's if you're sleepy and you know it, and it's in a minor key. And, uh, when I was making the very first kids music, I did an album for this organization called PEPS program for early parent support. It was a bunch of classic, uh, kid songs. This is in 2001, I think. And I had this singer come in to do If You're Happy and You Know It, and we got a little loopy doing that song over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't listen to this anymore. And I started playing a minor chord, descending thing, and she's like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> it's like total sultry torch singer way. And so, and that was just a snippet. And so we got back, I got her back in the studio and we really made it a real song and it's, whew, it came out mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So there's that, um, lots of highlights on that one. I won't go into all of them. And then uh, there's Winter Party, which is another unexpected, weird album that I made, which is a holiday record. Oh, cool. I always thought I would never make a holiday record because the song I tried at one point and I couldn't get the songs to groove or move or feel like mine. And then last December, I just uh, started feeling inspired. The season was hitting me right and I was feeling all this coziness. And I started pouring coziness into these songs and it came out great. It's half traditionals and half kind of well half originals although the, some of them the originals are really based on traditionals like my favorite one on this is called pumpkin in the pines mm-hmm. and it's good king wensless musically but then i wrote a whole mythology about a pumpkin that after halloween does not rot it just stays fresh and floats around in the forest waiting Christmas Eve. So the legend is, if you open your door on Christmas Eve and you see a glowing pumpkin in the in the pine trees, you're supposed to let it float into your house and stay until morning. And in the morning, it will be gone, okay. but it will also be, uh, you know, happy. It will be uh, uh, whatever. You know, the gods will be appeased. <laughs> Every, everyone will be in good spirits. Um, yeah, so we've got to let that pumpkin in, or who knows what'll yeah. happen. Okay, good stuff, listeners. Let the pumpkin so, in. This one, uh, Away We Go, comes out in August, and Winter Party comes out in November. Cool. Uh, We will uh, look forward to that, most definitely. Um, Yes. So, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Um, You've given me uh, a lot of your time, and I I do appreciate that. Um, I have to say that my favorite back to, like... I mean, I can't believe, like, I never would have thought if if 23-year-old me looked at me right now and, and heard what I was about to say to you, the guy... (laughs) <laughs> the guy that I've like, you know, followed and known for many years, and 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 said like, I think that Stompy the Bear and Eleanor the the Elegant Elephant is a back to back is one of the strongest combos of songs I've ever heard. <laughs> I could not, thank you. I, yeah, I wouldn't believe I said it, but I said it, and it's truth. So, um, well, thanks, man. That would make a good single, actually. Hmm. Right. <laughs> hey, it's all I'm yours. I think about a greatest hits album, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, but I gotta kind of be. I think I want to be done before I do that. I think I have sixteen records in me. So sixteen. We'll, okay. Got, okay. Sixteen. I've got boy. I've got some new stuff cooking that is just woo. All but, right. 
Awesome. Uh, but thank you for that. I appreciate that. Stomping the Bear is my attempt to write a Black Keys song. Oh, yeah? Yeah, kind of like, oh, I like these bluesy, riffy, poppy things going on, so yeah. let me try that. And then Eleanor the Elegant Elephant was uh, the fault of an awning for a nail salon. It's It was elegant nails, but it was peeling off, and it looked like it said elephant nails. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting. What if an elephant went into a uh, manicure shop and tried to get it fixed up? Yeah. Wait a minute, why don't I write a song about a fancy ele- elephant? Yeah. Um, awesome. And then we love Be Quiet Mike. We have the book. We we love yeah. the song. What was the order? What happened first? The chicken or the egg or the Be Quiet Mike book or the Be Quiet Mike song? Definitely the book. That's a friend of mine, Jason Vontber, and his wife, Ellen, I believe is her name. Uh, she wrote the book, and he was in charge of getting a song together for the book. And so he called me, and we collaborated on the song. So I was using their text. Uh-huh. And then he and I really like knitted that thing together, and it went through a many uh, versions. Like we worked on that thing a lot. Just putting it together in the first place was a lot, and then it got edited and compressed, and then he took it and reworked it, and blah blah blah. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a, it was a long road that yeah. thing. I, I'm amazed that it's finished. <laughs> I still feel like we have revisions on that. I'm yeah. like, when is Jason email me and be like, time for a new mix. <laughs> <laughs> awesome but there's other books too katie and i did katie and i've done five or six books oh. together with songs and we have three more board books in the works right now for publication in 2018 wow Man. yeah everything it's amazing so how can uh, how can people connect with you and, and keep up with the latest just go outside and scream and i'll come running <laughs> <laughs> i'm very i'm a luddite you know <laughs> yeah, uh, Best way is the website, I suppose, babypantsmusic.com. That's a great way because um, it's all. I'm always changing the home screen depending on what I'm doing and what's up. Uh, Facebook is a good way, although Facebook's a little problematic because they choke off the posts now. And so I, I kind of say go to the website and uh, yeah, that's the best way. And sign up for the email list. I will not use it. I will not overuse the email. I don't think I've sent an email out for like eight months on that thing. So. <laughs> Sign up. And whenever anything's important, you'll hear about it. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, one last question from my six-and-a-half-year-old son. He wants to know if you have babies on your pants. No, I have pants on my babies. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You know what I mean? <laughs> Actually, well, the real story with the baby pants is that it was a real hat that I used to wear on my head. Uh-huh. It was a hand-knitted baby's pants that I wore as a winter hat for a bunch of years in Boston and Seattle. And... Uh, I was going by the name Casper in a jam band I did with Mark Sandman from Morphing, where where we improvised songs live and playing my two string, and I was Casper. And then I found these pants, and I, I was cold, and I was poor, and they were free, and I put them on my head. And the kids in my neighborhood on the way to and from the subway were like, "Hey, what's up, baby pants?" <laughs> and so I put Casper and baby pants together, and I was like, "Oh, I'll be Casper, baby pants." And then twenty years later, I'm you, yeah. making kids music and. Pondering what to call it, and I was like, "Well, I'm already cast baby pants, so I'll just be that." Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you for uh, all of your contributions to kids' music, to the musical landscape in general. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your time, especially since you're on vacation. Uh, thanks for everything. We look forward to the new records, and uh, it was awesome meeting you. Thanks, Michael. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you luck with your spreading the word about good music. And I do appreciate your help spreading the word about my music because I have no promotional plan other than people like you asking to hear what I have to say. So thanks. It's, It's a lot. And I loved it. Thank you so much.
All right, take care. All right, see ya. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that talk with Chris. It was a little bit lengthy, I know, but I really had a great time talking to him, and I just could not stop asking him questions. Thanks again for downloading. Thanks again for being a supporter of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. That's episode 20 in the books, as they say. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Good stuff.